who don't understand. I'm serious. And well, <laughs> gets in some really bad situations. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hello, hello. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Kim Krause-Swam, a fantastic copywriter, and uh, she's come on today to talk about... Who knows what, actually? We haven't planned anything. So this is going to be quite a bit of an adventure. We were talking about mice a few minutes ago. I know. We and... can't stop talking about them. <laughs> Kim loves mice. So uh... actually, <laughs> so we'll see I what happens. To be clear. Yeah, I know. I, you I know, know, I find them, I find them very industrious. And mm. they. I think we could learn from mice. You know, um, they don't give up. That's for sure. They have persistence. Uh, they have, like... And, you know, just amazing energy. I feel like if we could bottle that and put it in a supplement, we'd get very rich. What, what would you call that supplement? Mice power. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's really on the spot. I'm sure I can come up with something better. How about ultra mice extreme? <laughs> ultra mice extreme. I like it. I mean, I think it's going to be an instant hit, you know? With a I name so. like that. I think so. Everybody is, you know, wants to have that endless energy and dogged determination to whatever the heck they're scratching around inside your walls to find. I mean, my goodness. All um, right. So let's, anyway. um, yeah. yeah, anyway, let's, uh, let's step back a little bit because there's going to be some yeah. people who are listening <laughs> who may not know anything about you or <laughs> the deal is. So let's start there. Why should, um, who are you and why should people uh, listen to you other than the fact that you can come up with great names for mice supplements? Okay. Um, well, actually, I've been in the supplement business for quite a while, um, uh, both as a marketer and copywriter. And also I helped launch and run a supplement business um, more than a few decades ago. Uh, so, but yeah, my, my start was always as a marketer who eventually learned how to write copy and found out that she was actually pretty, pretty darn good at it. And then I found out about this thing called copywriters and freelancing and wow, there's like this great life they can have where they don't have to work the 50 hour, you know, crazy corporate work weeks and have a boss and all those other things, right? So, um, yeah, I was in the corporate world for about 13 years in different marketing roles. I, I um, spent some time at Phillips Publishing when it was one of the biggest direct uh, marketing powerhouses, um, probably about three to four times bigger than Agora was at the time. And while I was there, um, you know, I was introduced to the world of uh, direct mail and Magalogs and Phillips worked with some of the the top copywriters on the planet is called Healthy Directions. And I ran that for th the first three years and grew it to over 23 million in sales. Um, so I had, a you know, just a great knowledge of direct marketing and copywriting and overseeing, you know, having P&L responsibility for a business and all the things that went into that. And then I was a publisher on another side of the business for a while. And then I launched my first child. And then I came back and uh, helped launch a whole new supplement line for Philips. And after that, I decided to take the leap and become a freelance copywriter. And that was more than two decades ago. Wow. So you've had, you've had quite a run. <laughs> I have quite a, yeah, I've had quite a run. Um, I, 
you know, for more than two decades now, I've been in this crazy game of freelancing, although I'm definitely focusing a lot more just on my own copywriting training programs. I have a mentoring group and I'm really enjoying kind of back to running a business again um, versus working as much for clients. So that's been kind of more of a new shift. But uh, yeah, over the last few decades, I've written dozens of uh, successful control promos, you know, Magalogs, long form sales pages. Um, many of them are, or, you know, at least some of them are still running today. Some have been running as controls for, you know, three, four years without making any changes to the copy and paying me nice royalties. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I've written some, you know, pretty successful promos. I, I one, I think I mentioned earlier when we were talking, um, it kind of put me on the map as a copywriter. It was a financial promo that beat the late Jim Rutz. Um, and then as soon as I did that, boardroom couldn't hire me fast enough. And then I wrote a promo that beat uh, one of Paris Rampopoulos' controls. And then I became the first female copywriter to get a boardroom control. And so from there, I just generally, you know, had plenty of work coming my way and was able to, you know, do a lot of supplement promo controls as well as other types of niches, but mostly in the health and supplement space. Beautiful, beautiful. So you've been like moving and shaking. Making waves for a while. <laughs> well, I still am. I mean, still am, still am, still uh, going. Still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it just, it, it was good. Okay, so here's, here's the thing. I mean, I got into this in part because I wanted the freedom and I wanted the financial potential. But you have to realize I walked away from a job in 1998 that was paying me 100 grand a year plus, right? So I was used to making pretty good money. And I took that leap in part because I had a retainer arrangement that guaranteed me 90% of my salary, but was only to take about half my time. So the first year of freelancing, I made 50% more um, right. than I did in my six-figure job. And then it's just gone up from there. So yeah, part of the incentive was, you know, I didn't want to have to be constrained, you know, by what annual raise I might get or this or that. Like I wanted to have, you know, reasonably, you know, unlimited potential financially, you know, to earn more money. And, but at the same time, I was really looking to work less. I had just had my first child. I had another child and I, you know, got to the point after just two, three years of freelancing, I was starting to write copy that was bringing in royalty and you know, royalties and other passive income that I cut my hours back to about 20, 25 hours a week. And I still was making, you know, significantly more than I did in my six figure corporate job. And so it, you know, for me, it was a ticket to having a balanced life, you know, or mm. that elusive thing that many women and men, you know, find impossible once they, you know, start a family. And I wanted to have, you know, the control to just say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to my kids, you know, class today and watch a presentation or I'm going to we're going to take two weeks and go to Europe or we're going to do this or that and just you know live life you know and enjoy it and so it really was just perfect for me I would I would work on one big project at a time and I'd turn altered stuff away or I'd book myself out a year or more in advance and always getting my 50% advances up front to book my time and um, so yeah it was pretty sweet you know it was like I felt like I had a career that challenged me that I enjoyed it was always something new something new to dig in and learn and discover and um and yet at the same time it didn't it didn't suck me dry <laughs> you know right. and that's what I wanted I mean I I could have made maybe three or four times as much even if I just wanted to work all the time and I think a lot of people just get they get pulled into stuff like 
especially when you start having a little bit of success. I mean, there's so many things I could have constantly said yes to, and I would have just driven myself mad. You know, I said no, like five, five times more than I said yes to things, you know, because I wanted that balance. I wanted to, you know, I, I had different priorities and still I was like had the great life that I wanted, but it was also, you know, there's more, more to life than just, you know, piles and piles of money, especially if you can't ever take the time to enjoy it. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of um, freelancers find it hard to say no. They, they, maybe there's a fear that if they turn something down, it'll never come back or um, they'll say yes to projects that maybe deep down they know they shouldn't say yes to, you know, and they, they don't pay attention to red flags or whatever. And I think it's much better to just have more of that abundance mindset that, you know, if you, if you, turn something down, something better is going to come along or, you know, just because you say no or send somebody to a friend who's a copywriter. I mean, I have one friend who told me that she was making six figures a year just with stuff I sent to her that I couldn't get to. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like happy to do it. You know, it's like, um, you know, there's plenty of opportunity for everyone, I guess is a good way of looking at it. And so, yeah, that's just generally how I did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just talking before we got on here, right? Like, I'm in a camper van in the middle of rural Australia at the moment. So, and, and I've, I've sort of yeah. was never. Well, I suppose it wasn't intention, but I, you know, I found for me personally, I'm probably more like that as well. Where I've I've preferred to maximize the freedom to just do whatever I want, pretty much all of the time, over say working you know, all day, every day, five, six, seven days a week, just to make as much money as possible. So everyone's different though. Some people, I don't know, they just like the money or they're, they're, they're trying to get somewhere very specific, very large. And that's cool well, too. Here's the thing. I, I have money. I mean, I have plenty of money. Um, you know, if you're working really hard all the time and you can't do a good job or as good of a job, maybe if you spent more time on something, then you're always going to be in that churn and burn rate category of not being able to charge more for your work but when you can like really put the time into it and get some big winners people are willing to pay you much more and then you can start Mm. to do deals where you're getting like six figures a year in royalty from just one promo you know things like that and so you know again it's like it's not just about you know saying yes to everything or just want to you know like why not not work as much and and charge more, be able to charge more for what you do, you know, like that's one strategy, right? Um, There's a lot of different strategies to making more without all the work. And the other thing too is people sometimes, you know, chain themselves to having to make a certain amount because they start to maybe buy more than they can really afford, you know, which is a whole other topic, you know, but then if you've got that mega mansion, you know, mortgage payment, guess what? Like you're on the line every month. You got to like, Oh my God, where am I going to get all that money from? You know? And it's just better to like, um, I don't know. Like I just like to keep everything more in balance and, uh, I find that it gives me the the life that I want. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something there with like the finances where you could be making a lot of money, but if you've got a big home loan or uh, lots of debt as well, like you're highly leveraged, you might be free in one sense, but it creates its own kind of prison where you're on the hook every single month, every single week where you can't, you can't slow down. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's always important from an early age to learn to pay yourself first. And that's Mm. something that I'm trying to, um, 
have my my young 20-something children now understand and they want to go off and invest in Robin Hood or something crazy. And I know, okay, it's not like an old lady now, but it's like, you know, do your 401k. But you know what? I started doing that like one of my first jobs out of college and I didn't even notice the money, you know, difference. And, and it just like, you know, it's a way to build your wealth over time. And, you know, my husband and I were very good about always, you know, doing that and paying ourselves first. And then we would just enjoy life with everything else that was left over, you know? Yeah. And not have the guilt and not have the, Oh my God, you know, I didn't have the stress, you know, cause we were paying ourselves first. And uh, my husband was able to retire, you know, a few years ago. And uh, so, yeah, because his job was completely stressful. Yeah, yeah. But this is an interesting, interesting, like, thing. This took me a few years to kind of, well, at least a few years to kind of figure this out. I was, you know, this was 10 years ago. I'd be spending everything I earned just because why not? I didn't track my money very well. I didn't do, <laughs> didn't have like an accounting or bookkeeping system. And and more, you know, now, of course, I realize how important it is and what you're talking about where you take some money out and uh, you pay yourself first, be, meaning that you not you pay yourself and then go spend it on something, but you take no, no, that yeah, and you save put it in the savings. I mean, we, we saved yeah. for college. We had two kids in private school, you know, when they were younger, 13, 15 years. And then we were saving for college, you know, a good chunk of money every month. And then we were putting huge amounts away for retirement, blah, 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 you know, getting all the tax breaks we could. And then it's like, let's go to Paris. Let's go to Germany. Let's go to Barcelona. Let's go to Italy for the fifth time. You know, like we have traveled and enjoyed our money and done the things we want with our house or whatever. But it's like, the first thing is get your financial house in order and and don't have yourself, you know, on the hook where you, like, you, like I said earlier, that you're almost like you're putting the chains on your own self, you know? Um, I mean, that's what I, I stood away from an employer. You know, they wanted me to sign a non-compete and put the golden handcuffs on me. You know, I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah, you can't chain me down. <laughs> on, on, on this, like, this is a really interesting topic. <laughs> and like, I mean, we could go in so many different directions with this just because, you know, as far as we copywriting could. goes, there's lots of things. But I, I feel like there's a lot of things people are going to be used to hearing about because everyone's talking about them. So I'm curious of asking, like, what do you think people in, in terms of copywriting and freelancing and, and this whole world, what are people not like if they listen to podcasts, right? There's always the, the main, the main topics everyone talks about. What are people not talking about that you think they should, or the, the things that are important that no one's really looking at? Well, I know we've been talking a lot about freedom and being on your own and not being chained down, but I think that there are, there are points of time when it makes sense to work for an employer, you know, if you want to be a really great copywriter. Um, and there's times when obviously it's, you don't want to be in that kind of situation. Um, and so I guess the question, you know, I guess part of what's important is understanding when, you know, what, when is what is right for you? I mean, I would not be in the position I'm in today if I hadn't spent six years at what was considered one of the top direct response publishers, you know, at the time and for many, many years. Um, and that's Phillips Publishing. I mean, that's where I really learned about this whole business of direct mail, which, you know, obviously very translatable to online marketing today, um, building a business, you know, writing copy, working with some of the best copywriters around and learning from them. You know, it just opened so many doors for me. And just the fact that I walked out of there as a freelancer, I didn't, I mean, I really didn't have any trouble finding work. I mean, people would come to me like, oh, we heard about you from so-and-so, or, you know, I'd get so many referrals from my former coworkers. So I guess 
Um, I have a, a person, a young man who was my apprentice, you know, slash mentee for about six or seven months. He was out of college about a year. He was still living in his parents' basement and he was helping me out with some different projects. And he was a really sharp guy, really wanted to be a copywriter. And I finally, you know, we met for lunch one day and I said, look, you know, you can keep coming along like this. And, you know, you're going to keep learning and I'll give you some more opportunities and this and that. But honestly, you might want to consider working for one of the big, you know, publishing companies because, you know, this is in the Baltimore, Washington area, you know, and there's a lot of major publishers and direct response companies, you know, and you'll get paid to learn and you'll, you know, you'll make a lot of connections and then you can, you can go freelance from there. And so then I left on vacation, I came back and he'd gotten a job with Money Map Press, which is one of the Agora financial divisions. And he worked there for about a year, year and a half. And he, I mean, he got like a master's class in copywriting and direct response. He made amazing connections. He was able to obviously move out of his parents' basement. And then now, like just three, four years later, in fact, I was just talking with him the other day, he's got a thriving uh, business of his own. He's got his own publishing company and supplement business. And he's like in his mid to late 20s. But again, he, you know, he, he wouldn't be there if he hadn't spent a year and a half working in-house full time for a company. So there are times where that can actually be really good for you. And then there are times where being really hooked up with just one client or one or two clients can be very dangerous for your career. You know, as Dan Kennedy likes to say, the most dangerous number in business is one. So, I mean, if you're just starting out, obviously you don't have as much on the line. You know, you can be like my former apprentice and go work at a company and, you know, really maximize that opportunity. It can be a really great opportunity for you. But um, later in the game, if you're just hooked down with just one or two clients and you've got, you know, pretty good track record already, you are, you are kind of, you know, at the mercy of that one or two clients, you know, because if they go away, it's, sometimes it's almost like you're starting all over again, especially if it's been several months or years that you've been working with just one or two clients. And so I, I remember like years ago, a guy that was a very good copyright at the time, and he gone on a retainer full time for a year or two. And then, you know, it as inevitably things change, something happens, nothing is forever, you know, in business or in life. And so here he was kind of back from scratch calling me like, Hey, do you got any extra work? You know, and here was a guy that was pretty established, you know? So I, I would just watch out for, for that, depending on where you are, you know, if you're pretty established in your career, I think it's always good to have, you know, lots of potential clients and not be too reliant on one or two. And the other thing that I see trending sometime or in recent years is where some, and some uh, a company a few years back tried to get me to do one of these deals where they basically you're working for the company, but you're not really because you're, you're still a 1099, you know, self-employed person and they just have you like full time, but it's almost like this unlimited all you can eat buffet and to me, that just sounded absolutely horrible. It sounded like being an employee, although worse, because you don't even get the employee benefits or the opportunities for promotion and everything else when you work at a company. You know what I mean? So a lot of people are getting kind of pulled into those kind of deals where things constantly shift. There's no discipline of, oh, this is the plan because they, they can just keep changing it a million times until you, you go crazy and you've edited your copy or changed the offer like 14 times according to their latest whim and all those other nightmare scenarios that, you know, you just don't want to be in or you're working like 60 hours or 80 hours a week because there's a late night change or something hot that needs to go out. 
to me, that is not why any of us got into freelancing, you know? So those are just an exa- some examples of things to look out for, but, you know, know when it is right for you in your career. Right. So just a question about that. So you're talking about these deals. I've seen a few people teaching this model now where it's like, you know, charge three, four, five, six grand a month, or you can eat copy. I'll do your email sales, pay. I'll do everything. And that, that, that's your thing. And maybe get one or two of those clients. You got your six figures. Are you talking about that kind of deal or is something different? I, I am. I am. And I think that when there's no like boundaries or guardrails <coughs> or limits, I think that you are potentially putting yourself into that kind of you know, exhaustive scenario. Now, I have talked to people like um, my good friend, Chris Orzachowski, who we actually had our own retainers and royalties course a few years back. Went through some of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. And, you know, I think part of it is it's key to really screen the client. Like, you know, there's going to be an upper limit as to how much a client can actually implement all at once, you know, theoretically anyway, right? So if you are, you know... If, if they can only implement, say, 20 email campaigns a month, you know, they're not going to be on your back for 40 or 60. So there is sort of that upper limit just by what they're able to do. But I also know another person who will remain unnamed who's a very experienced copywriter. And she found herself working in that kind of arrangement. She was getting paid very, very good money. But it was kind of the nightmare scenario that I described where it's just things were constantly shifting and you get something done, you'd have to do it again because they changed the plan at the 11th hour and you're up late doing this or that, or you know what I mean? And it just was a very frustrating. So it's not even so much that it was a lot getting done, but it was just, they were undisciplined about how they used her. Whereas if it's a copywriter, like a freelance copywriter, like I have all that crap spelled out like in my contract and it's like, okay, that's going to cost extra. You know what I mean? You want want to do that? Okay, that's going to be extra. (laughs) You know, so there's already like built-in guardrails and boundaries, but you Mm. go into those kinds of situations and you don't always have it. And and it's because, you know, the client wants unfettered access. You know, they don't want to deal with copywriters having rules and boundaries, which kind of a lot of times, I hate to say it, is one of their personality defects. They kind of (laughs) want people that don't have boundaries who don't understand. I'm serious. And well, <laughs> gets in some really bad situations. <laughs> well, I mean, on, on, on my, I guess, personal time, I've been exploring this whole thing, thing of trauma and the nervous system, which, which of course relates to boundaries. Cause if someone has a, you know, probably a not, not the best childhood, they're going to have trouble setting boundaries later in life, especially with clients asking for what they were saying now, all these kinds of things. So it's, um, that's what that's where I was going to go to next with this, where it's like a lot of people are getting into these situations and they think that maybe they're doing them a favor or they're being really good. And, and in a way, they're letting themselves be taken advantage of. Yeah, I mean, it can be like way. I mean, this is what I mean. You have to, again, you got to look at where you are, where your situation is, right? Um, it's, it is riskier, you know, to do those kind of, you know, freelance retainer arrangements with a company versus maybe being a full-fledged employee you know with at least with a full-fledged employee in an actual real company like there's an hr department you can go to and there's you know what i mean there's just other things going on um with these other arrangements yeah it 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 can very well you know become a somewhat abusive kind of thing and 
Um, and it can be hard to leave, you know, and you get into this mode of constantly wanting to please and want to please. And we, you know, a lot of us, obviously, we want to make our clients happy and we want to do our best work. Um, it's there's just some people who just have a radar out for people like that and they will take advantage. And I, and it's not just women. It happens to men too, all the time. I mean, I've mentored a lot of people over the years and I've seen it all as a copywriter. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just saying these are things to just keep in mind. And when you're just starting out, yeah, you, you're going to be hungry. You got to get some samples. You got to get some winners, but then you got to know when it, you can start raising your rates. You got to know when you can start, you know, confidently approaching other clients and kind of do it even before you feel like you're ready. Do you know what I mean? Because you, and I hate to use the, ter the term fake it till you make it, but that's almost exactly what it is. Um, feel confident that even if it's something you haven't done the exact same, you know, project before, that you're going to be able to figure it out and you'll be able to do a good job and, and then give it your all. Because, you know, again, like what I was saying is a lot of people just will say yes to everything and then they'll be trying to do, you know, four projects in 12 hours and they're going to do a crapo job. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I would even do a crapo job if I tried to do that. You know, and I've been doing this for 20-some years. So, it's like, give yourself an opportunity to succeed and do something well. And do that and get some winners under your belt. And you're going to be in a much better position, you know, to move forward. Definitely. Definitely. One last, probably one last topic or question before we finish up. I'm curious what you think about the future of, uh, with, especially with AI, and, uh, you know, machine learning algorithms and things like that that are going to be able to create copy, you know, without any human doing it, just just by, you know, like, a, like an algorithm, basically. What do you think about how does that relate to the future of copywriting? Where do you see copywriters fitting into the, uh, you know, the scene or the world with all of that stuff going on? Well, I mean, I think there's two different avenues here. One is um, for a lot of the routine kind of everyday sort of copy, you know, like short copy you know, catalog copy, email copy, autoresponder copy, those kinds of things. And not all email copy falls under that category. Um, I think copywriters can play a role in, you know, helping to develop these AI things. So a lot of it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be one size fits all. There'll be a lot of customization for different industries and niches. So I think there potentially could be an opportunity with that. Um, as far as long form copy, I see it more evolving to videos. I mean, it already has been, you know, but like, scripted and more produced videos and other types of production, you know, produced type of um, sales pieces. And so I would say that the idea that AI is going to be able to replace what a screenwriter can do or really good, you know, VSL writer can do or, you know, sales page letter, you know, with emotional story openings and things like that. I just don't see that happening. But again, I'm not an expert in AI, but I think we're quite a ways from that happening. So if I, as a copywriter, I would be studying things like, you know, storytelling and screenwriting. And, and I think those are the things that are going to help you succeed more as a long-form copywriter going forward. And I mean, I've already been experimenting myself with, I mean, I'm actually taking a long-form improv class kind of just for fun um, that I just started on Sunday. I took comedy sketch writing, you know, before that. Um, so yeah, I think these are all things that AI can't do, right? Right. You're talking about the human touch here. I mean, I, I agree. The human touch, the creativity, the storytelling, the use of humor. I mean, we're seeing more and more personality infused into copy. I don't think AI is going to be able to do that. They're going to be really bad jokes, really bad jokes, like dad jokes. 
Like worse than dad jokes. <laughs> right, right. That'll be interesting. I mean, the first AI comedian. It's like, when's that going to happen? That'll be yeah, a great see, test run. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I just think we, again, I'm not up on the technology. Um, I plan to be long retired. Um, I'll be like, hopefully living in Italy, you know, without worrying about it, <laughs> about AI. But I, I do think, hopefully I'll be, I actually want to be a screenwriter. So hopefully I'll be writing screenplays and, you know, AI is not going to be coming for that either. So, but yeah, I think those are the things that we've got to think about. You know, we can make the emotional connections with humans, you know, whether it's making them laugh, making them, you know, feel their pain points, um, you know, give them hope, you know, those are the things we do as copywriters that I just don't think AI can do. Beautiful, wonderfully said. Let's uh, let's let's wrap it up here. Before we go, though, where is the best place for uh, people to check you out, learn more about you, get on your email list if you're on social media, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, the best thing to do is to go to copyinsiders.com, and that's going to give you um, uh, a place to get on my list. And you'll also get. And I'm going to write that into the chat here. Um, you'll also get my free A-list copywriter. Um, promo checklist, which is actually five checklists in one, including one for defining your avatar, another one for research, you know, and then just like really in-depth promo checklist for every part of your copy from headline to close. And so that is something you get for free. And then you also um, will get on my list and you'll get my upcoming issues of my free e-letter called Copy Insiders and What's in Kim's Mailbox and all these other wonderful things that I send. Um, and that's, and then if you want to just find out more about me and the different, um, programs, you can go to my website, which is, uh, kimschwam.com. So it's K-I-M-S-C-H-W-A-L-M.com. Beautiful. And you got some good, I'm on the, uh, Copy Insiders landing page. You got some testimonials from Gary Bentevanga, Brian Kurtz, yeah, Justin, he's a, copy a whole bunch insider. of guys. Yep. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome, Kim. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, hey, we'll have, good to have be you here. again on soon. Yeah, no, thank you for having me back. I think it's the second time, and uh, look forward to a return visit. We can talk about how you're doing with those mice. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to become a well-paid freelance copywriter so you can live life on your terms, check out my webinar on how I get paid up to $10,000 to write simple, fun emails. And I'll even show you how I got started with no experience, no connections, and no formal writing training. To get the training, go to www.themcmethod.com slash webinar. That's www.themcmethod.com slash webinar.